0: I am excited about the Christmas season. Anyone else in here? Excited about Christmas, all right, awesome. We're not dealing with a room full of Scrooges, at least uh, that's good. Uh, and uh, man, just excited about this season. Nothing will get you, I think, in the Christmas spirit like uh, you know a presidential election, a pandemic. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I didn't need a whole lot of motivation this year to really get excited about this season. You know, really since Halloween, I've had like Christmas lights starting to go up slowly in my home. Uh, our house is all in right now. You know, we've got Alexas playing like Mariah Carey doing her thing. You know. Non-stop. We got uh, the Christmas playlist going, our nativity's out. Uh, you know, we're starting to deck the halls. And today, the Christmas tree's going up. Amen, right? We're excited about... Christmas. Some of y'all have had your trees up since Halloween, right? Because, uh, you know, you just, again, you're like me. It's like, man, can we get to Christmas, please, Lord? Because you know what's right around the other side is 2021. Amen, right? Uh, And so, man, just excited. Whether your tree looks like, you know, it belongs to Charlie Brown or Clark Griswold, uh, you know, the reality is for all of us, the tree holds a place in the middle of our Christmas Kind of festivities and in our decor in our homes. It's a focal point of our family rooms. This time of year you walk in, there's the lights, there's all the stuff, uh, and the tree is there in the middle of it all. And, uh, and man, so the tree holds just a, a really important part about it. And I love putting up the tree. Today we will go, our family makes a, uh, makes kind of a day of it. We'll go to this Christmas tree cove place and Lottie will find the perfect tree and we'll cut it down and get sap all over us for three weeks and uh, pick up needles till next Christmas and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But we'll put it up and I love wrapping that thing with lights, seeing it start to go up and just a whole day of it is a lot of fun. We look forward to this, uh, this Sunday every year. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things out of all the festivities of getting the tree up that I love more than anything is putting up the uh, the ornaments, right? Uh, some of you might loathe that, but it's I really like it for different reasons. You know, I think a, every ornament that you put on your tree, besides maybe the ones you got on Black Friday at Hobby Lobby, right? They have a meaning behind them. You know, a lot of you know what I'm talking about. Like you can you can put up the the ornament and it, it means something. I've seen the little ornaments this year with like the families and they're all wearing masks, right? And it's like uh, Christmas 2020, uh, you know, and whatever. So, uh, but you put the thing up and you remember it, right? You put up the ornament and it has a story. It has a it has something. To it takes you back to this place or this this uh, this memory that was kind of uh, etched into that uh, that ornament. In our home, we have this one ornament that stands out. It's this little reindeer hand of Lottie. You know what I'm talking about? It's like her first Christmas. And it goes on the tree. And every Christmas since, we look at that day, and I remember just God's goodness to us and giving us a kid and her first Christmas and how he's, you know, it's what he's done in her life over the years. And I have another ornament that I I, uh, I look forward to hanging up every year. And it's this little cuckoo clock I picked up in Brussels one uh, one Christmas. If you don't know, that's in Belgium. We were there when I was there one time, uh, right around the holidays, was racing to get back to, to Christmas to my family, all that kind of stuff. And we got this little cuckoo clock in this little shop uh, like off the beaten Trail, uh, and so when I, I, when I hang that up, I remember something. Like right? there's a there's a memory, there's a a place, there's a feeling, a sense that I'm brought back to. Uh, and, and when we when we talk about Christmas season, and as we kind of lean into this new series, the real King this morning, I want to hope, hopefully. Uh, make your Christmas uh, even more memorable and more celebratory this year than maybe ever before by helping you to not just look at your tree and see all that's there, right? Not just the lights and the ornaments and things like that, but that it would, as you look at your tree, draw your attention back to two more trees that were uh, amazingly important to the Christmas story. The tree where the curse began in the garden and the tree where the kingdom was brought forth on a hill called Calvary. So this morning, if you have a Bible with you, I want to ask you to grab it and go with me to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one. We're going to move through quite a bit of text today, but only going to read a few verses in this uh, in, in this this message together. And I hope that uh, man, you're just your your family's ready for this season. I know, man, when we lit that candle, something in me lit up as well, right? I'm just I love this season, love seeing so many of you here today, and so just. Uh, And praise God for Christmas. Let me pray. Father, we love you. Lord, thank you for your word. God, I'm I'm thankful for what you're going to do in this series and in this campus and across our campuses. God, I pray that you would just be honored and glorified today. Father, I pray that whatever stories came in here, whatever baggage people carried, whatever weight is is weighing on them, Father, I pray that you would speak through your spirit to them uh, in a fresh way. God, would you open their eyes to see Jesus? uh, And Lord, would you be honored? You know, we pray. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 1. shouldn't be hard to find. I hope you're there uh, this morning. We're going to read starting in verse 1, okay? We're not going to get far, so here we go. Genesis chapter 1, 1 says this, In the beginning, God, I want you to underline that. It's important. In the beginning, God. God created the heaven and the earth. This morning as we are titling this message the kingdom and the curse, I want you to see three points this morning. I like a good roadmap; map. Most of you do as well, right? Uh, we're going to see the king, the kingdom, and the curse. Okay, this first point, the king. Before you get far at all, you need to understand that Christmas began with the king. It doesn't begin in a parking lot, uh, you know, on Black Friday fighting over a PS5, uh, regardless of what our culture may paint. Christmas actually begins with God. Begins with God. But before we ever get to the Bethlehem, starry night, the, you know, eight pounds, six ounce, newborn baby Jesus, right? You've got to get the the point of Christmas begins with God. It's where not just Christmas begins. It's where all stories begin. It's, It's where all things find their genesis. It's where all things start. Everything begins with God. Before you get any further, you got to understand the weight of this verse. This verse is massive for us. You know, God is a God of order. And so when God, through the Holy Spirit, by the pen of Moses, right, wrote the book of Genesis, it was intentional. Order's important in the Scripture. God is the God of order. Everything is Things in God's home are not misplaced. Right? Everything has a purpose. Everything is intentional. And so Scripture's beginning, in the beginning, God is important for us. And it carries weight this morning in, in a lot of cultural things and a lot of uh, things going on in your home. When you understand that God is the beginning, what we see playing out in our world right now uh, really begins to be reevaluated, right? And I guess the weight in which it presses upon our our hearts and the anxiety it creates in us. You see, God is not swayed by news stories, church. (laughs) he's, He's not moved by swings of society as easily as we are because God is king. He's always been. When you start with the king, the cultural pressures that we feel are put down in these these, uh, these political agendas that are pressed upon us, no matter which side of the of the fence or the line you you pull for, all of that is kind of hushed. Because all of it began with God. God is king. He doesn't get notifications because he already knows. God is before it all, and he's in the middle of it all, and he will be after it all. God is king. He's a king in our world today. There's so many, and I think many maybe of you in this room even today are concerned about what the next four years looks like. I promise you, our Lord is not. You you, you may wonder about what's going to happen with this pandemic or who will the highest highest, uh, authority of our nation be rested upon. Make no mistake, God is not concerned about the future because he created it. God created the future, and, and, and he's not concerned about who the president will be because he's already ordained it. So when you begin with the king, everything else takes order. You can rest a little easier because there is a king that was before it all and will be after it all. Christmas begins with the king. I love what Psalm 102.12 says. psalmist writes, but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations We have a king who has sat on his throne before the first star ever hung in the sky. And he will be there when the last one goes out. We have a king. I believe God, again, is is a God of order. So there's no coincidence when it starts this way. What the king says about your life, church, matters. Matters. What he says about your marriage and the way it ought to be stewarded, the way it ought to be preserved and protected and fought for, it matters. What he says about your kids and what's actually important, what he says about your stewardship and your finances and just the point of your life matters. You know, our culture today tries to redefine everything. Our culture today tries to redefine what is, uh, you know, what life actually is, when it begins, what value does it hold. Listen, when you begin with the king, all of that is quieted. What the king says about life matters. What the king says about uh, marriage matters. Why? Because he created it. What the king says about you and and your kids and the way that you should parent, all of that ought to be run through that lens. That's what matters. What the king says. When you remember who rules, you don't get caught up waiting for news reports to provide you a security in your future. This Christmas, right? Like this Christmas might be more you know, different and be set apart in your memory from anyone that we've ever had because of, man, just all the uncertainty and all the, you know, this the concern that we carry into this place. And the world's doing a great job of putting a big bahumbug in your Christmas, right? But when you understand this this Christmas, man, who, who it is that, uh, that, that where the Christmas story starts, you can be confident in in who holds it till it ends. Christmas begins with a king. The story begins with God, in the beginning, God, God. And this king doesn't just sit silent. What does it say as you continue? It says, in the beginning, God, what did he do? He created. When the king opened his mouth, from it came life. We spoke with a word, all that you have interacted with. Some of you went to on Thanksgiving, you went to the mountains, you, you went to the beach. Some of y'all went to different places. You just sat out in your, you know, with, your, with some of your family gathered and, and whatever you interacted with in, in nature and in creation, Everything that you've went and you've beholded and it's taken your breath away, all of it, God imagined and spoke into existence in a moment. Every galaxy that we've not even yet charted finds its origin with God. I want you to think about this. God imagined and created the depth and the breadth of the animal kingdom, all of it. All of it goes back to God. In the beginning, God, and what did God do? God Created, He created the heavens and the earth. I love verse 1 of Genesis. And if you don't know this, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, is like the junk drawer in your home, right? Or let's put it in Christmas terms, it's like the stocking. I don't know if your parents did this to you, but my stocking was like... I mean, it was, it was like Mary Poppins' purse. You don't know what you're gonna pull out of there. It was like batteries and butterfingers and a pair of boxers. You don't know what's going on on Christmas, right? It's just like that. Chapter one says, in the beginning, God created. And from that verse unravels just how in which he did that, right? Verse one, chapter one is the, uh, the, the thesis statement for my students in the room of exactly what God was gonna do. And the rest of chapter one and two tells us how he did it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We were told that God created, again, the landscape, the mountains, the seas, the animal kingdom. If you know the rest of the story, he creates man and woman as the pinnacle of his creative work. And he gave them a a place to, to live. He gave them rule and dominion over all of his created order. He gives him the home in his place called Eden, and, and then his king sat back from all that he had done. In chapter 1, verse 31, I love this verse because it helps us really understand God's redemptive story. When he says everything that he had created, he looked at it and said, behold, it is very good. It's exactly how I want it to be. In this moment, there is no pain. There is no disease. There is no, and there will be a day, one day, where we will see this again. The church will see a day where God will make all things new. And everything he will sit back from will be as he saw it that day when he said, this is very good. Christmas starts with the king who creates and he rules over his kingdom. It's so important that you see that. It doesn't begin with Santa Claus. It doesn't begin with, don't give him all the credit, right? It begins with God. This Christmas season, I want to encourage you guys, listen, deck your halls. (laughs) Do it. Enjoy the Christmas season. Decorate your trees, but don't take your eyes off of that king. In the beginning, God. Genesis chapter 2 unfolds, and we get a little bit clearer picture of not just this king, but this king's kingdom. Okay, that's our second point today, the kingdom. Genesis two fifteen through 17 says this. It says, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. In the kingdom that God creates, we see humanity with a place to belong. He says, He gave him the Garden of Eden, right? He says, He took him, put him in the Garden of Eden, a purpose to walk in. He says, I've given you this garden to do what? To work and to keep. We had a purpose, there was a purpose for life. Man had, right? It was to work and to keep God's creation, to to practice dominion over that which God had created. So they have a place to belong. They've got a purpose to walk in and they had the very presence of God to enjoy. What did it say right there at the beginning? It said, and the Lord, God took the man, right? I imagine God taking him by the hand and walking him into this place and saying, all this is yours. Enjoy it all. He gave him a home. God made man a helper. He gave him every reason under the sun to to be happy, to to enjoy. And in the middle of this hallmark setting, what do you find in it? A tree. A tree, the tree that I want you, as you look at your Christmas tree this morning, to look back on. In fact, there's many trees in this story, but it is one tree in the midst of it all that God told them not to touch, not to eat from. He didn't tell them not to touch it. He said, don't eat from it. Right? In fact, you could build a treehouse in it, just don't eat from it. It's important to understand in this king's kingdom, I think this is crucial for us to get this morning. As you look at that text there today, I want you to see that in the king's kingdom, reward always precedes restriction. God's reward always precedes his rules. Are you tracking with me? He, he, he said, You may surely eat of the tree, uh, of every tree, right? He says, All the trees in the grove. Listen, Adam. They're yours. Eve, they're yours. Enjoy them. Eat from them. Do whatever you want to them. But this one tree, before there was restriction, there was reward. Before there was restriction, there was reward. And the restriction wasn't limiting to them. I want to make sure you get that. It wasn't like, you know, you're keeping them from something enjoyable. God says it was life-giving not to eat from that tree. What do you say right here? He says, for in the day that you eat of it, what will happen? You will surely die. You will surely die. So before there was restriction, there was reward. And that reward, I mean, and, and that restriction wasn't like a cap limiting them from some greater enjoyment. It was actually life-preserving to them. It was a means of God's grace. Man, there's a, there's a word in this for us today, church. Listen, when you start looking at God's word to your life as limiting you rather than giving you life, it will, re, it will lead to rebellion in yours. When you start looking at God's word to you as restricting you from something rather than a reward to your soul, it will lead to rebellion. When you look at God's word on sex and marriage, as, no God, I want to do it this way because I believe that your ideas are outdated and your ideas are restricting me from something. It will lead to rebellion in your life and you will not actually step into the fullness of life offered in God's kingdom. When you When you look at God's Word to your life on, on uh, stewardship and on parenting, on sex, when you, you just have to look at those things, you redefine them and say, no, 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 God, I, I've got a better idea for this because I know what you're doing. I know you, God. I know what you're doing. You, you're keeping me from something. What will happen is rebellion. What will happen is rebellion. God said you can enjoy it all before he ever told him one to avoid Now, I I reminded this this, uh, this year, my, my daughter has all kinds of toys in the house. Go play with those toys, right? Today, we'll put up the tree, and we'll be hanging these ornaments. We'll say, this is glass. Don't touch this one ornament. There's something in her that's just gravitated to it. She has to. Right, it's like I told you, it's like running out into the traffic. There's something about a kid that just wanna feel what it feels like to be hit by a truck, right? I don't know what it is. It's like, I got to go. It's something in us. And listen, that's the reality. From, since the garden, since the first tree, inside of every one of us, if we're really, really honest, there's something that bucks on restriction. There's something that bucks and kicks against kingship. But if you understand that Christmas starts with the king and you understand you're not the point of the story, Right then you get off of your throne. You stop trying to play king because you were never created to do that. You were created to work and to keep that which God had given you. He's the king, you're not the king, right? So God's people that have gladly submitted to that kingship get off, we clear the throne and get on to our knees, right? We said, Lord, you be honored, you be glorified. Listen, Christmas starts with a king and he has given us a kingdom to enjoy. In the beginning, we had a king. We enjoyed the king. We practiced dominion over the king. This is what happened in Adam and Eve's life if you, if you, pass, if you read through this, this passage. But we soon wanted that kingdom without the king in it. And we've been doing the very same since. All right, like we, want, we want our calendars. We want our schedules. We want our finances. All that God would hand down to us graciously. We want our cash. We want our kids. But we don't want God and the king to tell us what to do with them. Listen. There's a king, church. There's a king. Don't miss him this season. Don't miss him this season. Don't, don't take your eyes off the king. When you start staring at creation, your home, your feelings, your calendars, and stop looking at and loving the creator, you will begin to believe, again, that you're the point of the story, and what will come from it is no longer contentment with the king, but we will love the kingdom, and then what will come from it is a curse. This is what we see in this text. Look with me at the curse in Genesis 3, 6 through 7. It goes on and it says this. It says, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food, she should have been staring at and adoring her king. Instead, she's now staring at and adoring the kingdom. She's staring at and adoring the creation, not the creator, right? So it says when she saw that the food... The tree, the very tree that God said, don't touch, don't don't eat from that tree. You can touch it, right? You can enjoy all of this, this one, this one tree that's actually preserving your life. Don't eat from it. What did she do? She said, when she saw that the tree, that tree was good for food. And that it was a delight to the eyes. And that the tree was desired to make one wise. This is the lie of the enemy. Did God actually say? You remember that's what he said? Did God actually say? He's maybe whispering the same thing in some of your ears today. Did God actually say that marriage should look like that? Did God actually say that commitment was defined like this? Did God actually say that stewardship meant this? Or that parenting, the thrust of it, the the, the, the what glorifies God in the way that we parent is to actually raise them to know the Lord, not just to be kings of, of every travel team? Did God not... Actually, you see the lie of the enemy, the whisper that's been whispered since the garden. And the woman heard it and saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desired to make one wise. And it says, she took of the fruit and ate of it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her, who should have been working and keeping. And he ate it. And it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Once you to notice what happened there? instead of keeping their eyes on a king and living in glad submission to that king to his kingship, their focus was now locked on that kingdom, and it led to chaos in their lives. And it will do the same in ours every time we do this that we, we play that out. What was once perfect and whole was now corrupted and broken. What was once pure and intimate, walking. Enjoying the presence of God with a purpose to belong to and, and to, to walk in and a, and a place to, to call home. Right? In that story now was shame and nakedness. See, that's what happened at that first tree in the Christmas story. I Don't miss this. Sin was ushered into the story and man was ushered out of God's presence. There are no Christmas lights at this point in this story. It's like the moment before bed. Many of you, maybe you have the checklist around Christmas time when you go out, you lock the front door, you lock the back door and you pull out the light, you unplug the lights on the Christmas tree. This is what I see in my mind when I read this text. What was once beautiful and bright, glorious, Belonging. Nearness. No shame, no guilt. Glorious, beautiful, bright, now empty, hopeless, dark. But God didn't put his pen down there. Praise God. He didn't put his pen down there before the smoke settled from that wreckage in the garden. God pronounced the thrill of hope for our souls this Christmas. Look what he said in Genesis 3.15. He says, I will put enmities talking to that serpent, talking to the enemy. He said, I'm gonna put enmity. I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna put strife, I'm gonna put uh warring and battling between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. And and I don't know if you like me, that enmity is alive and well between me and a serpent. I promise you, right? Like there's no love for the snake, okay? And uh, and and he he says from her offspring, there is one coming who will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. I don't know if you've read over that and you understand the, the weight of that text. That's what's known as the proto-evangelium. It means the first gospel. This is the first time recorded in scripture where the gospel is preached and preached by none other but the king himself. See, I love this. Just when the enemy thought it was over, our real king re- revealed to us, there's more to the story. And he didn't just look back on one tree, but he pointed our hearts down to another. There's another tree. In this story, just when the lights had gone out and the backdrop seemed dark, this king himself sung a carol, a gospel carol over our hearts. The king said, one is coming. There's one coming, church, who will step on the head of the enemy, who will conquer Satan, hell and death. When you will look at this this Christmas at your tree, I don't only want you to look back at the one where the curse began, but it also, your Christmas tree points forward to another in the story where the curse was undone. See, what was lost at the first tree in the garden was restored on the tree of the cross. That's the joy of Christmas that we sing about. But what will happen if you don't let your, if you get so encapsulated in the gifts and the lights and all that stuff, and you just celebrate the baby born in Bethlehem, then you miss the fullness of what we have to celebrate. You know, I've heard it said this way that, you know, you've heard, you know, people say, what's the reason for the season? Jesus, right? Well, what's the reason for the reason, right? What's the reason? Why, why did we need Jesus? That, like, that's great that the baby was born, but why? You know, there's a lot of babies born, but what, what made Jesus different It's because we had a need. We had a need, church. Scripture says that all of us, just like Adam and Eve, have heard that whisper and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. And the, weight, the, the, the wages of that sin The cost of sin is death. That's what I love about uh, about this story and about the gospel. The gospel levels us. No matter where you are in this room, you may think you feel feel pretty good about your life because you're leading strong in your home. You know the scripture, all that kind of stuff, or or whatever. You've got perfect attendance here at the creek. That's great. But here's the thing. All of us came in here with the same problem. At some point in your life, you had a need. You're born sinner's isolated, separated from God, your heart's disposition was not to sing and to glorify him. Your heart's disposition was to run from him, was to love the kingdom without the king in it. We all have a need. And when God preached this gospel over his creation, who turned their back on him, what he did was tell us that there's, there's one coming who's going to give you There's one coming who's going to make right what you made wrong. There's one coming who's going to restore. And indeed, he has come, church. That's what Christmas is about, right? Those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we look back on the cross now in the redemptive story. We look back at the second tree and say, praise God, he has delivered what he promised. The king said, one is coming who will step on the head of the enemy who will conquer Satan, hell, and death. And he has done just that. You see, Christmas is not just about a baby coming, but a curse being crushed, a curse being reversed. The moment we took our first breath, that was our problem. Our default position was that we had a need. Do you feel that at Advent? When you reflect on the season, you you must include the reality and the the, uh, acknowledgement that you have a need, church. You had a need. See, because before Christmas can be bright, It has to be dark. You tracking with me? Before before your light, I mean, the lights look great right now when the lights are shining on them. But you shut these lights off in here, and I promise you, they're beautiful. You see, the the glory and the brightness and the beauty of the gospel is so much more beautiful when you understand the darkness and the hope, the hopelessness and the brokenness that was your story. You see, that that's what Christmas is about. But sadly, the reality is there's so many of us that we love the position on our throne. We love the view from up there, right? We we love that. But those of us who have gladly submitted our lives to the king, the curse has been undone. And you now get to, you do belong to the kingdom, right? It's no longer curse for you. It's kingdom for you. Your life isn't filled with the same shame and guilt and, and, and uh, nakedness that Adam and Eve felt there in the garden. It has purpose and meaning and, and is clothed with righteousness. It has mission that you can live for and, and live to. You get to experience the kingdom now in your life. That's what Jesus said and, and when he prayed. He said, pray like this, our father are in heaven, How be your name, your kingdom come. He says, you can experience the kingdom now, this side of heaven and long for it to be, to be restored and to be made beautiful and glorious and renewed one day. And we can look forward to a kingdom come and we can look forward to that one day we sung about last week that we talked about that one day where there will be no more death, guys. Church, that there will be no more distancing because we will be near with the Lord in person. There'll be no more addiction, there'll be no more hunger, no more thirst, no more virus, no more marital strife, no more racial tension, no more pain, no more shame, no more cancer, no more. Our faith will be made sight and we will see that real king on that one day. That's what Christmas is about. And last week, I don't know if you missed it. Last week, our senior pastor Pat Hood preached a paint off the walls, all right, and uh, in, in, a, in a sermon, a vision sermon for our church, really setting the forecast in the direction of where we're going. And in a lot, in a day right now, when you, the news will say pull back and and everybody just hold on, buckle down, go get in your bunkers. We're putting the gas down and saying no, the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. We're going forward. We're going forward. So we're going to plant churches, and this this next, this next season of one day that our church is entering into, one day has historically been uh, an offering. We've asked you to, aside from your tithe that you've obediently given to the Lord, that you would set aside one day of your salary to to, to uh, f- further and fund, to uh, fuel the mission of our international campuses. One day this year got remixed, and... Pat laid out this vision that we're going to plant churches that plant churches until the day that the Lord comes back. Till the day that I just talked about is realized we're going to plant churches that push back the gates of hell. That preach the gospel. That make sure people understand the fuller Christmas story. And this hits home right here at the creek for many different ways. But... Uh man, one big way, if you didn't, if you missed it last week, the first part of next year, I'll be going alongside of my family to plant Life Point Arrington. Uh, alongside of a, a man, just an incredible team from this campus predominantly. And so, man, we have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be excited about. And, and I'm just gonna tell you from my heart, my family, on behalf of my family, thank you. Man, thank you for man so much encouragement over the last week, just texts and calls and you know, so many of you say, man, I'm so done with RC. Let's get out of here. Right? now." I'm just playing. I know you're watching online, RC. It's okay. Man, listen, it, it is an honor. It's, a, it's an honor to be a part of a church right here. You know, that you guys are a part. That we're here. We exist. We have a place to worship today because we are the product of a sending church. They had a heartbeat to plant churches that plant churches. And now we get to return that investment to the Lord and say, okay, here comes another one, Lord. We're going to send them out. And so, listen, if you've not yet given... And you can do that in many different ways. You can go on to lifept.org forward slash give to give your tithe obediently to the Lord. But then you can go beyond that. Go to lifept.org forward slash one day to set aside one day of your salary or two days of your salary or one year of whatever you can do. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart, do that obediently to the Lord. And listen, we'll look forward to that one day together as we celebrate this season. You know, it's easy to get lost in all the stuff of this season, isn't it? It's easy to, to look at the lights and look at the watch the movies and you know long for something, wait for something, and miss the greater story together. but my prayer this morning is that as we look at that tree right as we look at your tree that you'll be reminded of two more, the one that points back to where the curse began and, and it points our hearts forward to where that curse was reversed, and the question that i got to ask you this morning, as you're sitting here and you've heard this message, what do we do with that message? Well, the first thing I want to ask you about is, where do you sit today? As you've walked in here, are you under the curse or are you in the kingdom? Are you under the curse or are you in the kingdom? Are you under the curse, bondage to your sin, believing you to be the point of the story, loving your little kingdom, fixated on creation, or are you living in the kingdom of God? Covered in the righteousness of Christ, believing upon his son who has lived a life you could never live, died a death you deserve to die, and has accomplished what you could never do on your own. In faith alone, you place faith in Jesus Christ, he now sits on the throne over your lives. And so from that, everything takes its order. Your your marriage, your finances, your parenting, your work, what you believe the point of your existence to be, all takes its order under that, that, that your life begins and ends with a king. Where are you at today? Listen to me. If you've never stepped into that kingdom, we want to help you do that. Would you come find me? I'll be outside the doors there as, as this service concludes. And I'd love to talk to you about what it looks like to surrender to that king and step into life fully in his kingdom. But if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I, know, I know Jesus. I'm, I'm living life the best I can. I'm falling forward as I talk about it uh, in, in his kingdom. Not perfectly, but progressively. I'm trying to lead my family the best of my ability. I love Jesus. This year, we want to help your your family anchor your hearts on what matters this Christmas, right? Not to miss the king and all the kingdom, right? And and one of the ways that we've done that is we've provided those Advent kits. uh, our, Our kids in preschool ministry have done a phenomenal job. Kathy does a great job and her team to get those ready for you. If you don't have one of those, let us know. We'll see if we can get one together for you. Uh, But listen, you can find those online other places as well. But let us help you do that. Many of you have already picked those up uh, here at the camps over the weeks. And what this does is this not only gets your heart anchored on what matters. It keeps your eyes fixed on the king. But it it helps your kids see that what they need this Christmas isn't more stuff. It's the Savior. Listen, we all need, you know, we don't need, but we want stuff. And there's nothing wrong with the wants. You can give me all the stuff you want. Okay, listen. But the reality is what I need is to be reminded of Jesus. What I need this Christmas is to have my my eyes fixed on our King. And so this is what that does. That's what the season of Advent does. So, man, as a family, celebrate that. Let the loudest thing in your home not be elf going on on TV, right? Don't let that be the loudest thing. Mariah Carey and the Beebs, whatever you got playing, don't let that be the loudest thing in your home. Make the loudest thing in your home before everyone goes to sleep be singing songs of Jesus singing you know songs about what actually matters reading scripture and these advent uh, guides that we'll we'll put on our app and other places and let that be the loudest let that be the aroma of christmas in your home this year and again listen if you've belong if you belong to that king and you live in that kingdom I'll let your, let your whole life scream that that's what you're about right the way that you the way that you give the way that you steward the way that you parent the way that you all of it let it all come under his kingship this king this christmas all right don't miss it don't miss it let me pray for you father i love you god thank you for your word father we thank you for this season lord thank you for advent god i'm so thankful for just our church and what you're doing in it father the future of it god we, we just we're longing not just for you to peel back the sky, step into our reality and make all things new, Father. But we're longing for lives to be changed and marriages to be restored now in the kingdom now, God. And we're longing for what you're gonna do through this series in the hearts of your people. God, I pray that we would be lights to our community and to our neighborhoods and to our workplaces of what actually matters in this season. God, I pray that from it you would you'd re- redeem many. You would transfer many from that curse into that glorious kingdom with your son. Father, thank you. We love you. It's your name we pray.